0: You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 694. Be ruthless about protecting your writing days, i.e. do not cave into the endless request to have, in quotes, essential and long overdue meetings on those days, end quote. J.K. Rowling. Audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's film, B-I-Z, book.com. Well, guys, today on the show, we have screenwriter Miles Chapman. Miles wrote Escape Plan starring the legendary Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and spawned a, a trilogy, a franchise around the concept of Escape Plan for Sly and his cohorts, and I wanted to kind of dig into how he got into the business, how he was able to land uh, Escape Plan, which was originally a spec script that he wrote, uh, and how it went from the original script to what it came to be in the final movie, and uh, we also talk about some of his early successes, early failures, things I wish could have been different, but we really get a great idea, not only about how to write a great action movie, but also the business and the behind-the-scenes politics of what goes on when working on a franchise film uh, with very large, you know, larger-than-life figures like Sly and Arnold. And some of the stories are entertaining as hell. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Miles Chapman. I'd like to welcome to the show Miles Chapman, man. How you doing, Miles?
1: I'm good, man. Thanks for
0: having me. Oh, thank you for coming on the show, man. I'm I'm excited to talk to you uh, about all sorts of things that have happened in your career. But before we get into all of that, how did you get into the business in the first place?
1: All right. Well, I was a uh, I I came by way of the theater. uh, Okay, I had gone to grad school as an actor of all things and uh, met my wife there, uh, and um, moved to New York afterwards. Was kicking around and um, had always. I had been an English major in college before getting into acting and had always been interested in in stories. Uh, long story short, we had a theater company in New York. That was good. I wrote, I wrote a play and realized that the writing of it was so much more fun to me than the acting of it. I realized I wasn't writing parts for myself. Um, and then my wife, who was still an actor, she started testing for um, pilots out here. I was writing more plays than anything else. Thought I would transition into being a, trying to be a TV writer, and then got a uh, got hooked up with a manager on the film side. Now this is a while ago, so back then you could still do movies or TV. Nowadays, managers you know kind of have to do both, um, and that was kind of how I got started. Um, just uh, knew I wanted to tell stories, knew I wanted to write, and uh, uh, after having written written a couple plays, just felt like um, I wanted to be a little more. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, expand my horizons a little bit
0: now. When, how, well, first of all, when did you, when you got your manager, how many screenplays had you had written prior to getting that manager?
1: Right. So first manager I had, who's not, who, who's not home with now. Um, mm-hmm. I, that was through a connection. Uh, it's a funny story. Um, my wife who'd been testing for pilots out here in LA flew home one time with a fella in a wheelchair. Um, she got to talking to him. He was a writer. He had some connections in L.A. So when I flew out to try to meet some people, he had very kindly taken a few. I had written I think I had written a, a West Wing and a Buffy the Vampire Slayer spec. So it tells you what nice. time. Are you talking about? Yes. And it was back when you wrote TV specs. I, I, I hear now that it kind of fluctuates. Sometimes you, sometimes specs are in, sometimes original scripts are in. Um, uh, so he had passed those along. Also, um, you know, friend of a friend my wife had taught acting in Georgia with Tony Shaloub's sister, Tony Shalhoub, the wonderful sure. actor. monk. Yes. And so my wife shot a little movie in New York that Tony was the star of. Tony found her in, in her dressing room chair and said, are you Erica chat, Erica Yoder? And, um, anyway, so Tony had passed a few of my things along too. So that kind of ha- all happened one week out here in LA. I was still living in New York and, um, I, uh, uh, I ended up meeting the fella in the wheelchairs, um, manager, and that became my first manager experience. Um,
0: that is such an LA story.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, you know, my wife, my, my wife is the most social person in the world. She saw him zipping around the gate and then ended up sitting right next to him on the airplane. They got to talking. Uh, he's a lovely guy. Um, and was nice enough to pass along my material. So, um, you know, it, it, uh. It worked out. I wasn't. I was with the manager just a couple of years. And I, and to answer your question, I had never. I had never finished a film script before. Really, I'd written, I'd written these two TV pilots for okay. a Spence and I'd written a couple of plays, um, none of which had gone to
0: Broadway. <laughs> uh, yes, and it was so not Hamilton. It wasn't the not so much. No, no it, wasn't, it wasn't anything <laughs> like that. So, here, but here. also, but to, to for the audience to understand that that would not happen more likely today. In today's marketplace that you would just pick up with two pilots unless the pilots were written like, you know, it was yeah. Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin had a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I,
1: I think so much of that era, 2000 or so mm-hmm. was about potential. I think I think managers back then were still looking for agents as well. Potential who who seems like they can write, who seems like they have a commercial sensibility, whatever they're looking for. That appears to happen less so today that if today it seems more like and again i should preface this by saying like you know we all have our own experiences what i say i'm sure you've had you know you've had thousands of screenwriters come on to talk but in my experience um you know if you don't have a piece that somebody feels like they can do something with actively they're probably not going to sign you i don't know what your experience has been but that uh, you know it's my reading of the market today
0: yeah and it's and, and it could be yeah i've seen people look get they get um, sign based off of potential. There is still a little bit of potential, not as much just a couple of pilots, but like if they have a screenplay or a, yeah. a, a pilot that's really powerful or more like a screenplay that has, a, it's a good writing sample and just yeah. go, all right, this guy has, or this girl has potential. They yeah. might sign it or they might, I've heard, I've heard of managers and agents also just like putting them on the shelf and like stewing them is a term like, let, let's 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 nurture them let's see where they come let's keep yeah. writing that hip-pocketing that was a famous yeah movie. it was kind of like a hip-pocketing yeah like i'm hip-pocketed at a i heard i've heard eight i've heard filmmakers and, and screenwriters say oh, i'm hip-pocketed by an agent in caa i'm like that means nothing <laughs> right <laughs> it was one of the
1: and i think really in thinking back alex uh those guys probably were hip pocketing me, the guys I first got with, because yeah. we worked on them. We, I had an original idea for a script and we worked on it together. And, you know, it, it didn't really get any better. And so we agreed to kind of part ways after about a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and it was right after that, I, I went off and, as I say, I went off and kind of learned how to write a movie. I think I had some arrogance, like a lot of people coming out to LA. I've seen a lot of movies. I must know how to write one. Right? It's, it's, oh,
0: um, it's the only business I know of you. Never go and go look at that cake in the bakery. I could do that. Oh, I just heard a symphony. I can write that like no other. Yeah. I oh, look at that building. I can build that. No, but screenwriting specifically, even worse it than film. it's worse than filmmaking. It's tricky. You know. my wife who
1: acted for a while, she doesn't anymore. But you know, she did a, a pretty high budget short film. Where they fell directing it, um, you know, uh, uh, was awesome. He was a former
0: editor. He had a great crew. He had everything. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Uh, You know, the one thing they
0: hadn't
1: hammered out as well as everything else was the script. And you know, uh, it it sounds like you're to your point. Like that, that, that that sometimes is like, oh, if I can see it. I've got these great visuals in my mind, and that doesn't always uh, lead to great filmmaking. Um,
0: a lot of times, in my experience, uh, filmmakers a lot of times get so caught up in the 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 romantic the romantic image of Kubrick, or Nolan, or Fincher, or Spielberg, or Scorsese, and the and the shots. But the thing that they don't understand is those are all masters of the craft and understand story first and yeah. foremost before yeah. they got all these cool technical yeah. aspects of it I mean yeah. Kubrick is an amazing example of that you know so
1: in a weird way like so I left that manager and then kind of learned how to write a movie I kind of said okay maybe I should take this a little more seriously uh not that I thought that I wasn't I'd moved out <laughs> here and everything but sure um, and then and then. I wrote a script or two, and then actually that got read by the manager who's still my manager today. And so this is back in 2004, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one, but they were cool. They wanted to work with me on it and see where we landed rather than, it, it is ama- at least back then, there was a lot of this, oh, sign with us and we'll give you our notes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that does not happen today. Just yeah. not happens. <laughs> and I think too, the manager thing was a lot newer back then. There were a lot of people trying to kind of carve their
0: niche as managers. Um, and therefore they wanted, they wanted volume, I guess. Uh, and potential, uh, potential because they wanted to get as many uh, kernels of corn in the, in the pan to see which one pops.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but that, that's kind of how, uh, and then through working with them, we worked well together uh they then submitted that script to some agencies and that's how i got my first agent
0: and and i just want you to just i always anytime someone comes on who has uh you know credits and experience and are obviously professional writers i want you to just please lay this myth out an agent is only interested in people that they can make money with. And an agent is not a guaranteed check. It's not a guarantee you that know, they're going to get you work right Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that first thing you said. <laughs> yeah. I have this conversation all the time when people are like, do you like your agent? Well, the end, there's a second question that, are you making your agent money? Like that, 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 you know, you probably don't like your agent if you're not making, and they're not really calling you a lot. If you're not making the money, that's, that's the, uh,
0: it's a business know, transaction.
1: Yeah, Everyone who loves their agent, uh, it's because things have worked
0: out. Yeah, either they've made a tremendous amount of money for them in the past, and that kind of goodwill carries you over, but that does wear out too. Even these big movie stars that were once making 10 or 15 million, when their star starts to dim, you see them change to new agencies.
1: I've been with through four, three or four agents over my career, I have liked as people, like them all, mm-hmm. um, and... You know, you, some, they, they, the, the relationship is based on what's happening in the workplace. You know, if, if they usually when you sign, you, if you're a fortunate, you get a, a kind of a honeymoon period. You get kind of <laughs> an active period. And if you don't convert for whatever reason, um, that kind of dissipates. Because, you know, especially at the bigger agencies, they just got way too many other clients to, to try
0: to serve. It's whichever um, horse is making the money. It's yep. – it's yeah. as brutal as that. It's what horse it's, is making the money.
1: But you're so good to point that out though because the romanticized notion of the agent, I think creating – I'm a big one on not wasting energy and emotional energy specifically. What we do takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. takes a lot of banging your head against the wall. Um, and I'm not good when I'm in chaos. Some writers are. Some creative people are. I'm good when I'm locked in. And spending energy worrying about why my agent hasn't called me in 14 hours. You know, I'm, I'm watching the clock. Called him yesterday at noon. Why haven't I heard back yet? It's just not something that I, 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 I do anymore. And, it, and, I, and some of it is having enough experience to recognize that if I do my thing right, hopefully they will be calling me.
0: Hopefully. Amen.
1: You never, you never know. But, but uh, and I can't expect them. If I'm not getting calls, I need to write a new thing, you know like I like, like, sit around and badger them over the over escape plan, which came out now seven years ago, mm-hmm. is useless like there's no there's no um you know unless you want to just get frustrated and say bad things about the industry, which is what that leads to
0: well yeah and also to for writers you know we we look for any excuse not to write. <laughs> and, 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 we, so we're like, well, you know what? I'm not going to write today because I'm going to be pissed off at my agent. And I'm going to like, and that's an excuse. Yeah. Am, I, am I right? We look for reasons like ah, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. but I'm going to, I have something else to focus myself on. And it's you, if you're doing your job, just write, just write. You shouldn't be waiting for someone to call you. You should be writing and constantly yeah. creating product or potential product that yeah. can get you to the next level. And they, if you, like you said, it was such a great comment. If you're doing your job right, they will call you. I think so. I
1: think so. Like, And, and uh, you know, we I think we've all had friends, uh, I've probably done it myself, who, you know, you say, oh, so-and-so loved my script. Okay, that's all great. That, in a free bowl of soup, gets you a free bowl of soup. Uh, <laughs> so if, if your script is being loved 10 times, but you've not gotten a job, you've not sold it, you're not uh, – you start – it's a look in the mirror moment. I'm a big, big one on those two. Like, how can I, I can't fix somebody at CAA or somebody at, you know, imagine, or I can only take care of myself. And if I'm not getting the results I want, maybe that script that I thought was so great, maybe it's a lot easier to say we love it than to sit down and give notes that are really helpful. Um, that's another thing I've found to be true that I do think people have the best intentions in terms of saying stuff, but if you say you're lukewarm on something, you have to explain why. And that takes time, especially to give, giving good notes is, I think is one of the hardest, most time consuming things to do. Um, And, you know, some people just don't want to spend that time on a script, script they thought was, eh. (laughs) So they say, it was great. It was great. But, you know, we'll see what we can do with it.
0: So do you, do you also, I mean, in LA specifically, you can be loved to death. Like you, you, there's so much love. Everyone's loving your script. Everyone's, you're the next hot thing. I'm like, yeah, but the checks aren't coming in. The jobs aren't coming in. I've never, and I've said this a thousand times, this is the town that gives you the best FUs I have ever seen anywhere in the world. There is, It's an art form here. They will never straight up tell you, this story sucks. Your writing yeah. sucks. You shouldn't be in the business. I will never hear that from a major agency or, I mean, j- just because you just don't. The reason why they don't do it is because you don't know, you know. Well, I, I think that's right. You know, you never know if that thing with the right tweak or the right
1: twist or the right rewrite. Um, or five uh, years know. down the line, he writes Titanic. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy who said, or the woman who said, ah, man, you suck. You should leave to go back to Iowa or go back to Philly or go back to, you know. Massachusetts, wherever you came from, like yeah, no, I agree, I agree, and and I, and I do think it's, uh, um, it's it's so hard to figure out. The other thing, another great, I'm gonna give your audience a lot of th- ways to waste your time and energy. Like, Fantastic. Way, Fantastic, all the ways I used to waste okay. my energy. I'm like, well, wait a minute, I saw that movie, and that movie was written by person X, and that movie wasn't that good. But then Person X got to write another movie, and that movie wasn't that good either. Why is Person X oh. so much further along than I am? God. Couldn't be a bigger, more natural, but bigger waste of time. Like, yay. Because, as you know, the things that go on behind the scenes and what, go, what ends up on the movie screen sometimes has very little to do with what that writer actually wrote in that first draft that got everybody excited and got every attachments popping and got the studio buzzing. By the time that thing ends up being filmed, it can be a – sometimes it can be a lot better, but sometimes it can be a lot worse. Like it, it, it's such a uh, – the the thing that ha- – I always call it the castle wall. Mm-hmm. Like the writer starts out outside the castle wall. Of the studio and the green light is on the other side of the castle wall. And everything we're doing is to try to get through that ca- – over that castle wall. And it feels like it is the hardest thing that's ever you know been been done in the writing world. Right. Somehow, if you ever get over it, whether with a studio executive, they attach a big star, then it's like, it seems like everything speeds up. It's all about just getting that movie made now. And the care and the time that maybe happened outside the castle wall, now you've got to go movie it gets a little crazy. It gets a little, um, so many moving parts, so much money. Yeah.
0: Especially when you get, you know, director egos involved, producer egos involved, actors egos involved. I mean, if you read, if you read Shane Black's last boy scout and you watch last boy scout, it's, they're just, I mean, it's completely different. They're just completely different. The script, his script is amazing. And the movie's not bad. I enjoyed it because it was Tony Scott and all that good stuff. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show, but it was so much better on the page. Yeah, and then on the opposite side, you read the original *Pretty* and *Woman*, and you read the the film version of it, which then yeah. Gary Marshall Gary Marshall did. You know, I knew I I knew a producer who worked on that, and he told me the whole story, and it was just brilliant because it, the, the, this is such a screenwriter thing to do. He wrote this gritty ending to Pretty Woman. And it was, I think the movie was called A Thousand Bucks or Three Thousand Bucks or something like that, if you remember, right? Yeah. And then at the end, um, Richard Gere's character literally throws Julia Roberts out into the street and just throws the money at her and drives off in the limo, and that was Pretty Woman. And Gary, Mar- Gary Marshall came in and did the master work that he did. And then af- after the, the, the first screening, the, the screenwriter was like, that's not my vision. That's not what I wrote. When it made $200 million, he's like, I did that. That was me.
1: <laughs> All right. I mean, and that's, you know, it's funny. I think, I think every writer, you know, you sit you sit in your bunker, if you write by yourself and don't have a writing partner, mm-hmm. you sit in your bunker by yourself. Uh, it's a kind of insanity while you're doing it. Yeah. And, and so there, sometimes you have very legitimate things that people screw up or, or change screw up means uh, that's, that's an, that's an interpretation word. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's changed. And you feel in your soul as an artist that that was the wrong choice. But other times I call it scar tissue. Mm-hmm. We have banged our heads against it for so long that any sort of change on it feels wrong to us, but it it's not like it, it's better or worse. It's just different and different feels very weird when you've spent Six months to a year, you know, wrestling with something, and and so I always try to be, I always try to remember that film. At the end of the day, it's a collaborative thing. It's a collaborative art form, and you know, uh, and if you take the money, just shut up. That was that's that's my other. Unless you're giving it back, I don't think anybody wants to hear about it.
0: I may have to take that quote from you. Um, If you take the money, shut up.
1: Yeah, I, I, unless you're giving it back, unless you're ready to give it back, I don't think anybody really wants to hear about what studio did what to your script, and this and that and the other thing?
0: I mean, um, you could pull a James Cameron and just not get paid for Titanic and just give all his money back, and just so you have creative control, and then it works out at the end.
1: Yeah, and uh, and you know what? I, I, I have, and, that, and let's be clear: if you've written your opus, your film, that it, but just don't sell it. You know, like if, <laughs> if, if you if, if you want to control it, don't sell it. Like it seems very, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, that that's words to live by, right there.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, your first gig, sir, if if I may, and if I may be correct, your first gig was Roadhouse Two. Is that correct? That's,
1: that is. That was my first job.
0: Yeah. So I have to ask because Roadhouse is Classic. it's a masterpiece. Classic. It's a masterpiece of eighties action. I mean, there's just no question about it. Is on my probably the top ten, if not top fifteen, of 80s action movies and that's high praise because 80s action is pretty pretty high co- competition in the 80s for action yeah. films and yeah. and Patrick and, and everything. So they come to you and go, do you want to write Roadhouse 2? And I'm sure you go, is Patrick in it? And he's like, no. <laughs>
1: well, first, so- Tell me the story. I'll tell you the story. Yeah. Um, so- Roadhouse somehow had gotten locked up. I guess it was MGM, the, the original Roadhouse. I can't remember. Right. It was it. yeah. It was this, was this Silver, yeah. Silver produced it. Yeah, yeah. But and somehow Sony had gotten control of it, and Sony was very hot back then, in the mid 2000s, on doing direct-to-video sequels, like yeah. Finding, yeah. Finding. And here's the thing that I'm sure you understand, and that I will I will crow to the cows come home. Okay, it's happened to me a number of times now. Everybody had in these processes, I do believe everybody had good intentions to try to make a decent movie, okay? But when budget is not made clear to the writer and shooting schedule, it's, pi- it's pivotal people. Like this disconnect <laughs> between producer and studio saying, we're, gonna, we're not gonna be a huge budget. That means one thing, As, that's, but that's not a 17 day shoot. Like, you know, 17, no action movie should really be shot in 17 days unless it's like one location, Right. you know, anything that, and so, um, they came to me and I was trying to get the job. So I love my early draft. I don't know where it, if I, I even still have it, my original draft of Roadhouse Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to be Swayze in it doing kind of an Obi-Wan Kenobi in the bouncer world kind of thing. Like teaching a younger character to sort of take the mantle. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was a little more savvy back then, I would have known that there was no way he was going to do this thing. Like it wasn't, the budget wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. the budget wasn't there. Any, any established movie star like him would see how long you're shooting this for and be like, no.
0: You know, and it's and, not a theatrical. No yeah, way.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, but they always say if it, if it's good, we'll go theatrical, but that, <laughs> that, that, I, 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 that, in a I cup mean,
0: of it, soup gets you a cup of soup.
1: Yeah. 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 Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe they don't say it anymore, but, uh, uh, Um, so, uh, but, but it's still, I wrote what I thought was a great, and I had loved the first one. I had seen the first one 20 times. I mean, I, I had really, you know, uh, and can I, can I drop obscenities on this? uh,
0: If you, we, uh, we we allow one per episode. So go for it. No, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, how about if I'm quoting maybe the greatest line in Roadhouse? Can I say (laughs) it? Go for it. You know, Jimmy across the river to Swayze. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. It's one of the great, (laughs) great. Great. Had, like, moments. I, I remember the first time I saw it. Like, oh. Did you just see that? Like, oh, it is so animal. good. Anyway, so I, I tried to write a real worthy uh, sequel mm-hmm. to that movie. And um, through the production process, it, it, like with a lot of things where the budget isn't, you know, the first budget of the first one was huge. Like it was a big budget. It yeah. was a, you know.
0: Joel Silver production, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and... Uh, the corners get knocked off. I I think that's a fair way to say it. Like, yeah, they're just certain things that happen. And so I was happy to have had the job. It was amazing while I was working on it to be able to tell people at parties that I was actually writing the, uh, the, you know, the sequel to Roadhouse. I had a guy at a one party tell him that movie is when he realized he was gay. You know, those things, like, you know, a seminal. That's awesome. like watching Patrick Swayze do Tai Chi in his sweatpants, Uh, you know. um, That turned to, got it. Uh, right right um uh so it was a cool first experience um you know uh, the finished product is uh well it was a it was a little bit of a miss we'll just put it there.
0: but again that's a that's that's the the hazard of all screenwriters you even the biggest screenwriters on the planet they unless they are producers or unless they're directing or unless they have you know their their sorkin scripts that wasn't what Sorkin wanted. There's, you know, Tarantino's probably different because he directs everything, but Shane well, Black, if, all these guys. If I can, if I can say anything
1: to, to producers out there listening or, or want to be producers, or is, it is, I don't understand this. This is something where still after my 15 years in the business, I still don't get it. That step where they could have come to me and said, our budget is exactly this. We have three action scenes in us. We have, let's go through it. I could have written that movie would have been 20 times better. And same budget, same uh, cuz we would have problem solved based on what they had. Instead, they tried to take what I had written and in pre-production, which was not very long, kind of just Jamming you know in. Uh, and and uh, that's a really uh, that's a really hard thing to do for a dedicated writer who's there to only do that let alone the line producer and the director who are trying to you know figure out 5000 other things every day. So
0: yeah, and also I remember that time period in Hollywood when DVD market was just exploding. That yeah, they were yeah. just trying to shove as much product into the marketplace, and it honestly, they were just using Roadhouse as yeah. Roadhouse was the star. Roadhouse was the star.
1: I think they could have they could have carried on a few more Roadhouses yeah. if there there wasn't a lot of you know. I think when you do something like that, you need to have somebody who's at least looking out for the fans of the original a little bit. Throw in, like, you know, we wanted to bring back Jeff Healy, the blind yeah. singer, Yeah. but they wanted to use a band from Sony record, you know, like they, 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 they weren't, you know, and I get the, the commercial crossover, but you know, when the, the fans of that first one, if you throw them little bones, they appreciate it. Fans are great. They the, the fans of these movies know them by heart and they appreciate when you said, Hey, the fan base is rabid about Swayze's car that he drove in that, or, or these, you know, I had a guy from, from Directv in my house working. Asked me what I did. I was working on it, and he's like, "Oh, you got to put that car in." I, I don't. I forget what kind it was, but he's like, "Oh my God, that car has to be in the sequel." Like, you know, it, would it have killed anybody to put, you know, have because it turned out to be it was like Swayze's nephew. That's who the character was in the sequel. Right. To have his
0: nephew sort of driving. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Now back to the show. You know, I, anyway, I do, and there were subtle things that could have been done to so improve that film. It, it wouldn't have cost much more. And all it took,
1: though, was somebody. Because who knows? Who knows if there were any executives on it who even knew the first one?
0: You know, there's
1: right. a lot of turnover. There's a the, the the game plan was like you said to get a lot of product out there, recognizable, quick hitter. Oh, Roadhouse 2, I'll give that a try. Right. You know, they're not trying to build word of mouth. They're trying to take advantage of of. The, the marketplace.
0: IP. Yeah, in the, in the that marketplace. It didn't really exist back then,
1: but, you know. Um, Got it. Um, I mean, it did, but not like it does now. I mean, it's part of every, you know, pitch conversation or, you know, movie. Converse. Is there IP?
0: So let's talk about Escape Plan. Now, sure. when I first saw Escape Plan, the trailer, I was like, oh, my God. Finally, this is happening. Why did it take so long? Um, and... I, I, first, of all, I need to know how it came into being. They yeah. uh, have so many questions. But my first, the one thing, I don't know if you wrote this or not, but which I think is funny now, you hit like a vegetarian. I did write that. I am a vegan, sir. I take tremendous offense, sir, to the line. I've, every time someone is talking to me about being a vegan, they'll use that meme. <laughs> Arnold touched like you hit like a vegan. You hit like a vegetarian. You look like a vegetarian um, with Arnold. But now he's a vegan. So that's hilarious. <laughs> that, uh,
1: that line actually came out a really lovely moment. Um, that fight scene wasn't originally – the script went through so many incarnations, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that line the, – the, the Arnold and Sly both thought there should be a fight scene between the two characters. Yeah. And I happened to be – I was on set for a little while, um, and I, I was, I, Arnold was not there that day. And I actually had the chance to kind of block the fight scene standing in for Arnold with Sly and the director, okay. um, which okay. was a great, a great honor. I'm actually from Philly. Oh. Hockey was one of them. So the whole thing was really cool for me. Um, uh, and and they, there had been a scene that actually ended up getting cut out of the movie of them in the dining hall. Arnold tries to give, I think he tried to give some uh, uh, steak or something to Stallone and Stallone, and Breslin, Stallone's character says, I'm a vegetarian. Now, whether he really was or not, he didn't want that steak. And so in the fight, it was uh, when Sly hits Arnold in the stomach, we're, we're marking it out, and he says, What, what, what would he say here? And I was like, Maybe, you know, because they had come up with a scene, maybe you hit like a vegetarian. So that, that was kind of how.
0: Such uh, a great. Great, great line. All right. So, how did it like? How did you get the gig? Is it your original? Was it an original uh, idea? It was. It, was a, it was a
1: spec I wrote called "The Tomb" um, back in the late 2000s, and it went through. Um, it got picked up by Summit after a crazy. Um, uh, you know, you got with there back then. There was a pretty specific way you went wide with a spec. Mm-hmm. You know, you went out to like, you know, tons of producers on Monday um, or on Tuesday. Hopefully, every you know, you're trying to get a good producer who has a deal with a big studio. You want to go into all the studios with good producers. Um, and we had a pretty good producer day, and we went into everywhere, and there was lots of excitement. And, um, we didn't, we didn't get bought in that first week, and it was, you know, it was one of those learning experiences really don't get too high, don't get too low, because it really looked like we were going to, and we didn't. Um, anyway, Summit, um, I'm gonna do a shout out to a producer named Robbie Brenner who. Became a real champion of that script and wouldn't let it go away. Which, as you know, after a spec kind of goes out and has its, it can, it's like it never happened if you don't get a bite. Uh-huh. Um, and she did not let it go away. Um, got it. Summit eventually picked it up. Um, um, and I think I can't remember if it was before Twilight, after Twilight, you know, because obviously yeah. Summit before Twilight and Summit after Twilight were two totally different companies. <laughs> Uh, and 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 so there were always two, role, two roles like the Arnold and the Sly role in it. There was always Breslin was always kind of that character, uh-huh. um, the, but the Arnold character went through all sorts of changes. And and uh, you know uh, when when I think when Arnold signed on, the character was a like a Portuguese poet philosopher inmate <laughs> who like Dante and Shakespeare and. Um, and uh so that you know but arnold really liked the idea that uh challenge and and so we it, it almost happened once with um uh, a director named jeff wadlow mm-hmm. it almost happened with antoine fuqua and bruce willis and then it finally landed with sly and he liked it and the emmet furla guys came on board and they were great uh and um um and then michael hofstrom came on as a director and then at that point. They were trying to get um, the other character. Uh, And I think if I remember right, there had been a flirtation with Arnold when Antoine Foucault and Bruce Willis were gonna do it. I feel like we had a big meeting at Summit with scones in the middle of the table. You know, it's an important meeting. If scones. And there were like 19 people at the table. And I I remember doing the good writer thing. I said, no, I sat there and... and, um, But then Arnold didn't do it then. But then like a year later, Antoine had moved on. Bruce had moved on. Um, uh, 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 he did decide to come on. Uh, we had a lovely meeting with him in his house, uh, me and the director. Um, uh, and, um, and well, hold on. So, just... so
0: stop for a second. Cause I love these yeah. stories. I love these, st- I love these Hollywood stories cause I've, I've been involved with some of them and they're epic. you, sure. yeah. you, you, you go to a movie star's house,
1: well, so let me set, uh, let me set it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I remember we weren't sure. I remember emailing the, one of the producers and saying, "Okay, so this is—is is this a Arnold's is in and we're talking about how we're going to rewrite his character meeting, or is this a we need to convince Arnold to be in the movie meeting?" Mm-hmm. And I got a one-word answer: both! Exclamation point.
0: Fantastic,
1: fantastic. <laughs> I think I still have that email because I forwarded it to the director, and you know. Uh, he's, he's a, I don't know if you know, Michael Hausstrom. he directed, um, uh, 14. I always forget the name of it. It's a, a great, um, it was a Joel Silver based on a Stephen King book with John Cusack. Um, oh,
0: 19. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. That was a great yeah. movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. He, he's a super guy. Really, really great. Um, so we go over there and so anyway, that, that was sort of the preface to it. We don't really know exactly why we're going over there. So Could you're be.
0: going, so you're going over to Arnold's house. You drive up to this. Get, get,
1: you know, you, you gotta get check in and, and, and you roll up now. Also it it was, you know, doubly amazing because not only had he been the biggest movie star in the world, but he's the former governor of California. So, so there's a sc- there's, secret service. There's security. There's, there's, uh, uh, and you know, uh, he was married to a candidate. So that's so. also in that, you know, uh, so it was really incredible. Like, uh, honestly, when you think about, um, and he was great, like, uh, Super down to earth. We had a lovely chat, and I, you know, I think I, I guess it helped getting him to do it because he 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 signed on and 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 uh. So, so like, um,
0: do you geek? out, Do you like when you walk in and you see him for the first time? I mean, you your your fifteen year old self is probably going,
1: yeah, yeah, oh, of course. Oh and my god! The only thing the only thing that always strikes me is that in reality, it's funny. Uh, they're never as big as you think they're going to be because you used to seeing them on a movie screen, right? right. I mean, they're this. Uh, a human, um, uh, big hands, um, you know, uh, but it very quickly put us at, at ease, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, we were, and then we were chatting. He liked the script. It probably couldn't play it the way it was written. You know, what, what, what some ideas we might have about what we would tweak it and his ideas. And, you know, it was a good back and forth. And Michael classroom showed, showed him his look book about, you know, how he saw the movie and how he you know imagined it and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but it, it did go through a lot of um a lot of rewrites all through this all through the like um and and you know it's funny, this is another thing for the listener out there. Um my wife, God bless her, was very protective of me, would always get outraged whenever I would tell her about changes that were being done or being and and, right. and I kept saying, you know what, uh I want to be a part of this movie, one, and two, um, you know, a lot of people involved here have made an awful lot of money at the box office. Uh, I have made zero dollars at the box office. So uh, I should, you, I should listen. You, you try, well, I, you know, you, you just want to mitigate, like I said before, some of these need, I'm not knee jerk, but some of these things that you think you're certain of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because maybe they're not the best. You know, I, I had a reason for why I did everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be done another way or it can't be done, you know. Uh, um, and then of course, when it got to physically shooting it, where the locations where they shot it in new orleans and mm-hmm. you know we have to, we had to do some tweaking on the script for just the locations they had and, and and i was happy that i could be a part of that it was it was actually the whole thing was a really interesting incredible learning experience um
0: and when so you're working with sly which obviously is a hero of yours as well so coming from philly and such a huge fan arguably sly is one of the the best in my opinion and I, the people could. Crap on him all he wants because he's popular, but he's, he created two of the most major characters and franchises in movie history himself, Rocky and Rambo. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And he's also done the Expendables, and he's also done these other like, and and continues to to keep building these things. So when you have an Oscar, he's an Oscar. Did he yeah, win the Oscar for, well, for the, he screenplay? Won the screenplay?
1: The screenplay of Rocky.
0: Right. So so you have an Oscar-winning screenwriter and a legend. How is it working with him as a screenwriter? Because he obviously knows story. He obviously oh, yeah, yeah. knows character.
1: And to be fair, he. You know, I don't know how he works with you know writers of a of a higher level than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, cause let's not be silly, you know, like that, that matters. Um, but it's pretty much his show. Like he, he'll, he'll rewrite, he'll, he'll rewrite scenes for the dialogue. He'll change stuff. Um, I think he brought a writer in to help uh, at some
0: point, you know, like that. Polish things up. Sure. Yeah. Like, but that happens every, t- that happens with the- almost anybody. And,
1: and uh, so it really wasn't a conversation for most of it. it. You know, it's like the things that he wanted to get done. You know, I, I could always shoot my uh, suggestions, ideas, you know, not directly to him, but through uh, through the studio, through the, you know, um, through the, I was, I on great terms with the director. So that was there. Um, um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, he is going to trust his gut and he's going to go with what's worked for him and fair enough.
0: But know. so, but you've also now worked on this, the last, the, the, the next two as well. So, uh, yeah. So obviously I, he liked you enough. Yeah. And, and there was, there was a world. Um,
1: there was an, always an interesting tension in the original escape plan for me, and I don't know if he liked it or not. Um, but I always thought the fact that the character was such an, you know, in a lot of ways, an intellectual character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a engineer. He's a security guy. He sees the angles of everything inside the prison. Um, with Stallone's energy and Stallone's persona, which is. A little bit opposite that—that that he is this primal emotional force mm-hmm. um, that I really loved, and I think I think one of the reasons the movie is interesting is because of that. That that it's an interesting because the other thing about sly an unbelievably smart, bright, acute, incredibly successful businessman, incre- like you know. Uh, uh, um, um, so that element of him, I think, really liked the engineer. The the um, and uh, so I think. In terms of world building, they thought I'd be a good way to go in the sequels. The sequels suffered a great deal, Alex, from what I was talking about before, budget versus script. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that was another thing. And again, why I have, it's one of my big pet peeves now, like all three, Roadhouse 2 and the two sequels to Escape Plan, would have been, um, I can't give a percentage, but noticeably improved if-
0: They just told you the budget.
1: If I had been told, and what- Within that budget, what does that mean? Like, what, are we allow, what can we do? I love, I love when producers say, don't limit yourself. Okay, fine, but I've got, I've got three weeks to write this draft, which is what I had on the sequels. Um, not exactly an ideal situation there either. Um, you
0: mean you wrote the full script in three weeks?
1: Yeah, we did some rewrites after that, but they needed the first drafts um, in three weeks to a month. Um, and and again, I I would let anybody read my original drafts on those two scripts. Um, they were they were thought out. They probably the first one went through such a baking period that it's it's stronger than the other two. Mm-hmm. But I certainly but the, the 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 shooting schedule, the budget, all these things really really made it hard on on the final movie. Um, uh, so you know, and to Sly's credit, again, he he appreciates writers. That doesn't mean he's going to just keep everything you write, but he understands that writing's hard. He understands that it, he's done a lot of it himself. And so, you know, but I, it's pretty much, though, you know, I do my thing, give it to them, and then they do what they need to do with it. Because they,
0: he's, he's the 800-pound gorilla.
1: Yeah. On, on the first one, I did come down to the set while they were shooting to solve some problems. Mm-hmm. But on, on the sequels, no. It was, you know, it was that was off and running and, and um, you know, they had to make a lot of decisions based on... Practical boots on the ground. Um,
0: Fair enough. Now, what's the biggest lesson you learned working on the Escape Plan franchise? Uh,
1: it, it was that one of um, uh, of uh, try to find out as much as you can about what 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 their capabilities are to really shoot what you're writing. Um, action movies are expensive. Uh, I like to. Do, there, there's a reason why so many of those. Which I'm sure you saw a lot of them back at the video store. Um, yeah. So many of the straight to video action movies have shootouts in a warehouse at night. There's a lot of reasons for it. One of them is that they're cheap. You got a big space, you got cap guns, everybody shoots at each other. Mm-hmm. In Roadhouse 2, two or three action scenes that were really carved out, um, that I really carved them, I really worked them, got turned into just flat, you know, uh, people standing there shooting at each other's scenes. Because again, you know like i always like to talk about casino royale the first daniel craig
0: oh, yeah so good
1: the the opening action scene and the action scene at the airport with the truck probably oh. took it on to shoot as the entire movie of roadhouse 2 oh easily yeah those scenes are so scripted and they're so written and there's character in them and there's so many pieces to them and you know and so as a screenwriter you want to write those you want to really show off you want to but if your budget is, couldn't afford to do one of those scenes, let alone a whole movie, um, you've got to try to figure that out. Otherwise, things are just going to suffer. Like, so, do,
0: so, so that answer, I mean, let me ask you a question then. Would you recommend a screenwriter writing a script today if it's a spec script? Should you let your imagination roll wild, or should you work with in a budget?
1: I think I think if you're writing a spec, it's your original idea. Go for it. Now, I, and and to be clear. I'm not a I'm not a believer in curtailing a writer's imagination. I mean, that's where all the good stuff comes from. What I'm talking about is very specifically when you've got a go movie, and you know the money's going to be there for it and back into it. Yeah, and you' and, – and, and, and so they know, they know it's not you know when you write a spec, if you write a big globe hopping spy movie, you don't know that, you know, Will Smith and Brad Pitt aren't going to sign on and you're, you're going to you, and you could very well get a 200 million dollar budget. You don't know that. If that's the kind of movie you want to write, man, go for it. I love those movies. But if you're if you're being hired to write the sequel to Escape Plan and, you know, it's getting released and, you know, it's greenlit, and you know, it's going to be shooting in April and it's December. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to get as much information as you can on. What are the resources? What do they really have to shoot with? Because otherwise, you're going to write a script that not, it's not going to fit in the box, and
0: and and they'll you know, suffer.
1: Thinking, they'll suffer. It's going to have to be Frankenstein at the last minute, and very few good things come about when that happens.
0: Right, because um, you can write it as a hundred million dollar movie, but if you only got twenty,
1: <laughs> exactly. But you know, with your spec, you you know, you can always hey, if somebody wants to do it for less money, and you can rewrite it, and that's great, and you know, that's awesome.
0: Um, these are these are good problems to have.
1: Right, but but that, that, so that's definitely one. Um, every movie is so different that I've worked on. Um, the other thing is to try not to get um, try to be open in the notes process.
0: I know it's mm-hmm. hard. It, uh, how do you deal with no, how do you deal with notes? Because that is something that professionals understand it. Yeah, but newbies get so precious about it. It's it's it,
1: first thing you got to remember is that. Unless you've written a a really really unique um, uh, Charlie Kaufman um, read my mind, um, where where the tone and the voice of this thing is so particular to the thing, you know, if you wrote The Tomb, which is what I wrote, which is a you know hopefully a high end thriller, um, uh, but it's still a Prison Break movie at the end of the day, right. Everybody reading it is going to bring their history with Prison Break movies. You know, what actor do they see playing Breslin? What, you know, how do we should it go this way? Should it be a little grittier like, you know, um, Papillon or should it be a little more Tango and Cash? Like, should it, you know, like there are. So you as a writer. You can think, OK, my script's perfect or I know or I can defend every decision I've made. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm.
0: But let's suppose, you know, Universal. Being, yeah, being being John Malkovich,
1: right? I mean, or, you know, the eternal spot, uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you kind of get what that movie is when you read it and you're not thinking, oh, man, maybe we have a few more. Ex- maybe we heighten the, you know, we heighten the character, you know, like, however, a genre movie, romantic comedy, action right. adventure. I mean, a perfect example, Alex, is the Born versus Bond dynamic correct when, when matt damon rolled along in that first born movie you know the bond movies still felt a certain way they were a little heightened almost like the way that fast and furious has gone from gritty point break at the
0: beginning to you know circus cartoon like <laughs> right. it's, it's james bond meets circus la
1: <laughs> right but if let's say you wrote a movie about an you know international global group of car thieves avoiding the police, well, you could go in the direction of the first one totally, or you could go in the direction of, assuming you don't have a car turning into a rocket ship.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: (laughs) In the script. But but, so my point is, is that uh, going back to the idea of notes, a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to say. It's a good thing if like Universal comes to you and says, hey, we loved your script. Uh, but we, we see it as being like Hobbs and Shaw, not that, you know, uh, or rather they don't give you the option. They, they buy it. And you're thinking, I'm amazing. Universal just spent, you know, whatever, six, seven figures on my script. And then you're like a notes call. What do you mean a notes call? I'm perfect. <laughs> I can't even tell you the amount of friends I've known who have sold movies for lots of money only to then (laughs) get me written, pummeled by the notes calls like, and then the movie floats off into oblivion. So a studio pays a ridiculous amount of money for it and wants to change it. And, you know, um, but, but as the writer, you've got to try to figure out how to make that work like that, that, you know, you can't tell universal, you know, unless again, you don't want to take their money or get taken off the project. There are your two options because you can say after you've taken the sale, Hey, I don't want to, I, no, I'm not doing that. And they can say, good for you.
0: That's not respect- how that works out for you.
1: Bye-bye. Yeah. No, we respect your integrity
0: and then they'll move on. And, and you know, never call you again.
1: <laughs> I can't, you know, I don't, I can't speak to that. But, but <laughs> my, my, my notion is, you know, and again, like I said, I'm sure there are plenty of writers out there who've stuck to their guns on some notes and it's worked out and they, you know, like, uh, don't don't misunderstand me. I, I just feel like however you work with the notes, right. figuring out a way for yourself to work with the notes is important. Like that, 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 that they're a process and for every, you know, I've been, maybe I've been lucky too. I feel like in general, I've worked with, uh, on things where there were going to be two and three drafts. Uh, I've had good notes calls and I feel people. People coming from a a place of trying to make the movie better, we may not agree, Mm -hmm. but it's not a kind of callous, oh, there was a character like this in this other movie, so let's put a character like this in in your movie, you know.
0: (sighs) And and that's the thing. I I, I just want to kind of spotlight this for a second. Screenwriters don't understand a lot of times because they're they're just focused on the writing that there's so many politics that go on after a film is greenlit. There's so many moving parts, as you said. Something as simple as, oh, uh, the executive or the EP or the executive producer, his girlfriend's in the movie, and we need to add that character. As cliche as that is, I have done, done, done that, Alex. <laughs> I mean, and you have to write that character in, and I'm like, oh, you know. And then the best is when that actress or actor, depending on the situation, yeah. comes to you and goes, and they they're like, you know, a kid and never done anything, and they go. I saw this movie the other day on Cinemax and I love this character. And can we do something like that? And you're just going, Oh my God. Yeah, sure. And like, but that's the, that's the reality of being a screenwriter. I mean, we all, again, it's the same kind of romanticism as Kubrick in the screenwriting world. There's a romanticism in Sorkin or Shane Black or Tarantino that, you know, that they just have complete control and they could do whatever they want. Like, even even guys like Shane Black still have, you know. You know, it's an incredible point.
1: And I think the thing to always remind everybody is how much money it takes
0: <sighs> to make a movie.
1: I mean, think about this. Low budget movies are like five to ten million dollars. Million. Like, that's become chump change in the movie business. Think about that. Like, so when you've got, when you start getting into, you know, 50 million.
0: Oh, forget it.
1: There are a lot of people with a lot riding on it. And so that, and that's going to create things. That's going to create personalities. It's going to create tension. It's going to create needs. It's going to create a lot and you know, uh, just be kind of ready for that. Try to have fun with it. I mean, if we're lucky, it, if you're, if
0: you're lucky enough to get
1: there. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I I got it. I love popcorn movies. The James Cameron aliens to the the original Terminator. They were the movies I grew up on. Those are the movies I wanted to write. Um, and so I always try to have fun. Like the point of the movie is to be fun. We're not healing. Sadly, we're not healing the coronavirus here. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not curing cancer. Um, we are delivering hopefully smart, cool, fun entertainment, you know, the smart sometimes wavers, um, <laughs> depending yeah. on the day. <laughs> and so, you know, it, and it you know, and so there, but it is, it's a, to your point, it's a dream job. I've never stopped loving it as a kid from the suburbs of Philadelphia, um, who had no connection to this business and no, um, like it's just been, you know, and it's, you know, and it's super fun. I mean, how many people have a job where they can tell these fun stories or talk about these ridiculous things that uh, that, that, that you know?
0: I, I make just, a, I make a living now with that. <laughs> it's great. Um, it's it's you know as 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 you know uh, you know all of my all of my podcasts all of my shows I, I try to be as realistic as humanly possible and try to be brutally honest because I would much rather you hear it on a show of mine than when you're sitting across from a producer or a director or an actor and you get sideswiped by many of the things that we've just discussed right now that they would have never, ever thought of if they're ever blessed to be in that scenario.
1: Yeah. I mean, perfect example was like, you know, with, you know, for years I had tried to get the tomb going. Like it was so close. It was so close. Oh, yeah. And yeah.
0: and
1: And then Stallone came aboard and it really started happening and there was a director. But then... You know, instead of, instead of you you have this amazing thing feeling, which is deserved and true. But then right after it is the, well, now you've got one of the major superstars in the world on it and it's going to be his movie, you know, and, and, and however that goes is how it's going to go. And you may be a part of it. You may not be, you know, just be
0: grateful. Just be grateful. You're on the ride. Right. And, and, and again,
1: every six, six six sorry, every circumstance is different. The per, you know, one of the fun things and tough things about the movie business is that it is very personality driven. How people interact is, you know, there aren't, you know, in, in big corporations, you know, there's HR and there's a way of, of behaving. And some people go. But but in the movies, you know, companies are, you know, very much they take on the form of like the principal. Who, who's the who's the person? And and so, you know, you get a lot of different personalities. Obviously, you get a lot of different um, visions, different ideas, different Paces, different. Uh, so um, it, uh, uh, it just, you know, it behooves a writer to stay, you know, be thankful for getting to that place and just stay open, try to stay open, try to have fun with it, try to do the best work you can under circumstances sometimes that um, are moving in a different direction.
0: Like, And your story reminds me of um, Quentin's uh, Quentin when he when he sold Natural Born Killers to Oliver Stone. If you've ever read Tarantino's version of Natural Born Killers, it's 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 not even it's not even the same ballpark, other than the yep. character names. Yeah. Stone, who's arguably the 800 pound gorilla in that situation at that time, completely rewrote it and had a different vision for his script. But you know, he had no control at the time.
1: Yep.
0: You know, it happens. It happens to every 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 major screenwriter. It has had, has had, it has happened to everyone. And,
1: and and you know, I don't know what, why that story made me think of, uh, just. It's a little bit like the classic William Goldman quote, like that nobody yeah. really yeah. knows anything, right. which has been around so long because it is so true. I mean, whether it's you know the the common joke is like if the script of Chinatown got submitted today as a spec, it would get ripped to shreds. You know, it, it <laughs> yeah you know the opening of of um uh, bastards which is one of my favorite <sighs> character movies is like 25 minutes no bastard show up yet no you know it doesn't but it's an incredible movie incredible so you know this uh, there there's so uh, there there's such the road is so unpredictable and mm-hmm. and just when you think everything we're saying is true the exact opposite will happen and uh, you just you just can't um uh, and that's why i feel like another thing i've learned all these years is like when i was young and i out here and i was like and cuz i had been an actor for a while too and i mm-hmm. so i knew what it took to not make it as an actor i already had, <laughs> had that experience um,
0: so you had trap I,
1: I had this somewhat naive idea that well people when they give up acting or writing or directing or their dreams you know it's cuz they don't have what it takes that was my young mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. and as i've gotten older i've realized that that was that's partially true, but the thing that thing that they don't have isn't isn't wasn't the thing I thought it was. I was thinking back then it was the talent. What it really is is the personality type to survive the mm-hmm. <laughs> the you know, ups and downs. Absolutely. Like after when I heard, you know, Escape Plan was gonna get made, I'm like, Woo-hoo! I will never had a I will never have a down year again as a writer. The very next year I had a down year as a writer. I mean Uh, you know like this notion like I remember an actor friend of mine he's like he got cast in a Broadway play and he's like I've arrived and you know did the play for eight months and then didn't get work for another year like you know like so the personality type and I, I get it my brother is a fantastic writer would never in a thousand years be able to live check to check like I used to before you know I got lucky
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, Yeah.
1: You know, uh, and so that, that's the thing that when you don't have what it takes, it's, you don't have the personality that can sort of live with
0: the, you know, ebbs and and flows of the arrows, the
1: craziness, the, the, the unpredictability, the, the, you know, you're up one down. You're up. You're up one day. You're hot one day,
0: and you're not. You're nothing the next kid.
1: <laughs> Again, so maybe you don't. That's another thing I've learned. Try not to buy into that. Um, that that idea. Although there is truth to it. I mean, honestly, when I've been busiest, it's been right after. Like I, I did a rewrite of a script years ago that Denzel. Get this, Denzel Washington never attached to but he was circling it he was interested oh
0: god the circling
1: and I had like two or three jobs from that just um, that my manager being I, I i think that's what it was cuz my writing samples didn't change you know I, I didn't it's not like i just popped off a couple new scripts overnight
0: uh, because you were little- attached to that potential it's just insane our business is ridiculous it's insane it's ludicrous but we're in love with it and what are you going to do I can't and, quit I can't quit the crazy.
1: And if, if it suits your you know and if it suits your personality if you're okay with the the ride as it were
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: it's great you know And it's that's
0: a long that's ride. Like,
1: there's, there's nothing like it. It's a, you know every day um, a phone call can change your whole perspective. <laughs> but also every day you cannot get a phone call.
0: But something <laughs> that's much more likely. And much more likely and the thing is is sometimes people wait 20 years for that phone call and it never comes.
1: Completely.
0: Um, yeah. As so. as brutal as that statement is, unfortunately, it's the truth. And look, I'm still waiting for Kevin Fahey to give me a call. And if Kevin, if you're listening, I'll take the meeting. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a fan, sir. And I, I, I can do something for you. So I've said that a thousand times on my show. One day, uh, Kevin will call me. But until then, I'm working on other things and not waiting by the phone for him to call me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all my guests. Um, Absolutely. What are three screenplays every screenwriter should read?
1: Wow. Hmm. Uh, that's tricky. I'm pausing because we've just talked about how sometimes the screenplay and the movie don't necessarily just a screenplay,
0: out. regardless of how the movie came out, just like the, right. the craft. Like I said, like last Boy Scout. Um, or Long Kiss night on yeah. Shane Black. Those scripts are amazing comparatively to the films.
1: Okay, so there's a movie. You know the writer-director George Nolfi. I don't. He, uh, George, uh, the um, Adjustment Bureau, he directed oh, yes. that.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I love that film, yeah.
1: Do you mean uh, published and produced screenplays? Because this, this one I'm going to uh, – Yeah, anything that's been published and produced, yeah. All right, because one, one of my favorites is one of George's that never got made because too many people... There's so many
0: There's so many of those scripts flying around. I've read some of them. I'm like, how is this not an Oscar-winning film? Like, I don't understand it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let me, that's a good question. All right, let me think. Um, uh, hmm. See, I always go back and read... Um, um, uh, uh. Okay, I'll say this because of the opening 15 pages. Scream by Kevin Williamson. So good. If you wanna? We were, I was talking about this with my son the other day. I have a 13 year old son, and that I remember reading that, and the rest of the movie is really good. That opening is oh. just it, it wrong foots you over and over again, and re- uh, and it reads like a little mini play as it rolled that great, great shit. Um, that's one. Um, uh, I'd read the, um, for what you can do with an epic scope, I'd read The Dark Knight. and almost anything Nolan. Yeah, 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 that, uh, uh, it's funny though. Um, I, I knew a bunch of executives who read Memento before it got, and they passed on it because they couldn't get through it, right. they couldn't. That, um, it's such a and it's such a clear piece of film. It's one of my favorite movies. Ever. Sure. Um, all right. So uh, for sort of for sort of scope, epic, you know, grounded storytelling, The Dark Knight is kind of kind of uh, one of my one of my favorites to read. Um,
0: um China Chinatown Chinatown's not bad. You can't go wrong with Chinatown.
1: But I just figured a lot of people say that. Like everyone's going to read Chinatown, right? Uh, everyone's going to uh, uh, probably read that. I'm trying to think of some things that. Um, uh, um, and I, I, being I mean, it's one of my favorite, I'll throw out the eternal sunshine as spotless mind because again, Kaufman. what you can, what you can do with character and imagination, like you're, you're, we're so not tethered. I mean, that's a, that is about as emotionally realistic movie as you will ever see. And yet it has nothing to do with reality. Like, right. it, you know, another one, Royal Tannenbaum's*, the Wes yeah. Anderson movie,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: is about as spot on a movie about family as you will ever see. And yet it doesn't, it doesn't look like anybody's it's. It's a fantasy, it's Wes Anderson, and, and yet emotionally, it is what we all go through with our dysfunctional families. It, it, and that's the beauty. I, I much prefer those to a movie that looks and smells like a real family movie, mm-hmm. but doesn't get deep like those two do. It doesn't right. really get. Um, all right. So we'll go with those three.
0: All right. Um, and then what, is, uh, what advice would you give a screenwriter wanting to break into the business today?
1: Uh, with the asterisks that I broke in 17 years ago, yes. and that I'm not living in, um, uh, do good work. Do good work. Put your nose down and do good work. You can be proud of. Um, stop worrying about horror movies. Or I've had that conversation so many times. A friend of mine will be like, hey, a bunch of horror movies have just sold or This movie was number one at the box office." And I'm like, do you love horror movies? Because there's 40,000 writers in L.A. who love horror movies. They're all writing one right now. And it will be better than your horror movie because you don't love horror movies. So do good work. Write what you love. Not necessarily what you know. know, People say write what you know. I'm a big imagination guy. Mm -hmm. Write what you
0: love. And um, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life?
1: I think I'm still learning it. And that would be uh, I've talked a lot about collaboration and, and when to put my foot down and really stick up for myself. Like really, really go to the mat. Um, uh, I definitely had a fear when I first got into the business about getting replaced, getting fired, getting, you know, all those things that, you know, you hear. And yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, I'm still trying to manage that so that, cause there are, there are times where you're being, um, uh, uh, you're being paid for your professional skills in your opinion. And if somebody really wants it or is pushing on it, you're being paid to give it. So that goes a little bit counter to some of the things we were talking about. Right. But you know, there, there is a time and a place, um, you know, recognizing that, that at the end of the day, your name's on the script at the end of the day, if you're lucky, um, <laughs> uh, and, or your, your name's on as the director of the movie. And so that, you know, um, so, so yes, realizing what, what battles to, to really go hard for, mm-hmm. um, very still, cool. Still, yeah, still, still figuring that one out.
0: Miles, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you, man, and and having you on the show. Uh, great stories. I'm sure there's tons more that you could tell <laughs> about your your misadventures in Hollyweird, but uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and dropping the knowledge bombs on the tribe, brother. I appreciate that, man.
1: It's my pleasure. It was a super fun interview, and I'm happy to come on uh, anytime you want me. So uh, uh, thank you.
0: I want to thank Miles for coming on the show and dropping the knowledge bombs on the Tribe today. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at indiefilmhustle.com forward slash 694. And if you haven't already, please head over to FilmmakingPodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a good review for the show. It really helps us out a lot, guys. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there.